now, Helen Shapiro and her gospel outreach are available for you at Oruvela Costa Resort on Thursday, May the 1st at 7.30, at the Hotel Playa Grande in Matheron on May the 3rd, but most importantly for us here, on Monday, May the 5th at the Casa de Cultura, Alfaz del P, which of course is eagerly awaited by many. Let me welcome Helen Shapiro to the show. Helen, a very good day to you. Hello, Vince. How are you doing? I was doing fine until I wanted to play that track straight <laughs> in nice and smoothly and it didn't go, but ne never mind. Uh, would you thank Chrissy, by the way, for sending me that track? I, I will, of course. I think it's lovely and, and I will be playing that. That's absolutely wonderful. Thank you very much. Well, now, obviously, we're, we're looking forward immensely to you being here and um, can I ask you first and foremost, how did it come about that you'll visit this part of the world? Uh, really, it was very simple. We, we were invited uh, by some people uh, who are based, actually, um, down in Torre Vieja, and if that's the correct way to... Uh, Absolutely spot on. Um, ...who wanted to reach out to people just along the whole of the, the Costa Blanca. Uh, they are part of a, a church, a fellowship, a group, and um, who are very keen to be uh, reaching out, like I say, among people. And uh, they thought it would be nice to have me. And I thought, great, thank you very much. I could do with a nice trip to Spain. Yeah. But I mean, that wasn't just uh, the reason. I just uh, I wanted to come and, uh, for, for various reasons. I'm looking forward very, very much. Now, we have a lot, of, a lot of really interesting people who uh, all of a sudden uh, we find are near to us. Now, uh, for example, on a Thursday, I have a good friend of yours on my show, and his name is Tony Hiller. Ah, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and the minute I mentioned uh, that you were you know, going to be speaking with me, he asked me to convey his good wishes to you, and uh, he remembered the very, very early days. When, uh, you know, obviously we all got to know you for the first time, uh, you were very, very young, 14, wasn't it? I was 14, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I was still at school, mm. and leading a sort of a double life, if you like, once I, my first record, Don't Treat Me Like a Child, got into the charts, and, and that was it. I suddenly became this this person, this Helen Shapiro person, which I mean, was my real name. Yes. Um, but uh, I was still at school, so I was very limited uh, as to what I could do in terms of, like, you know, public appearances and that. But my first three uh, hit songs uh, came out during that first year. So it was quite an amazing time and very heady stuff for a 14-year-old, I tell you. Mm. And, of course, we, we do all remember probably... The, it's funny that the, the things that you see first, your memory tends to go straight back to. Yeah. Um, and, of course, it was the beehive. I should imagine that's gone now, has it? Uh, yeah, somewhat. <laughs> yeah. Actually, it was... I, I think what we used to call it in those days, when it, when it was short hair, back-combed, we called it the bouffant. Yes. And the beehive was with the long hair made into this big nest on top. Like, what's her name? Amy Winehouse has now. Yes. Well, I mean, I think that's probably a bit worse. Um, yeah, people remember that. And that was a style in those days, and we thought it was great. And, of course, w w once I started to read about you and, and look into your career a bit more, um, you know, w w with the likes of Nori Paramore and uh, the people that were guiding you at the time, yeah, yeah. Um, d did you really feel that maybe your life was being taken over, or did it not really occur to you at that time? It certainly did not occur to me. You know, when you... When you're that age, you don't think about things like that, do you? I was just so excited. I mean, for a kid of my age, I say a kid even though I thought I was really grown up, um, to be suddenly, like, meeting the stars and going up to EMI House and um, appearing at, uh, Sunday night at the London Palladium and the Royal Albert Hall and having hit records. I mean, and everything was just one great big 
wonderful uh, moment. You know what I mean? Yes. You, you don't. Uh, it doesn't occur to you that anything could go wrong, um, which, which is why I never had nerves in those days, because mm. it's just sheer ignorance, really. You don't know the pitfalls. Well, it's funny, you see, because, you know, very often, if you put your own life in the time frame that we're speaking about now, you can see similarities. But, of course, obviously, uh, each and every person will have their own naiveties, which, of course, uh, we wouldn't have had the press coverage and the media and attention that you were having. And, of course, um, from that early days of just wanting the hits how did it change that you became uh, more really with the big bands and became such a respected jazz singer oh that's very nice um i was always a jazzer from the very beginning in, in fact in a way it was a bit of a fluke that i came into the music business through the pop world uh i mean i loved the pop business as well but my ambition even as a kid was to to be a jazz singer that was my brother's influence at the time, and I used to sing with his little jazz band when I was a kid. Um, so the fact that I came into the music business through songs like uh, Walking Back to Happiness, Don't Treat Me Like a Child, and all those, was, was kind of a, a bit of a, a sort of a tributary to what was the main thing that I had hoped to do, and indeed uh, was finally given the opportunity to do later on. Um, I always included sort of standards and jazzy things in my act, and then in early, um, the early 80s, I did an album called Straighten Up and Fly Right, which contained some of the good old jazz uh, and standard numbers, and that came to the attention of Humphrey Littleton, uh, and, um, who at that time had his uh, program on Radio 2, and he um, got in touch with me and asked if I would like to join him to do a Duke Ellington tribute at the, Royal Fest, uh, the, the Queen Elizabeth Hall, which we did. I mean, I was thrilled to bits, and that led to 17 years of an association between myself and Humph and his band, doing Ellington, doing great jazz things, and shows that we called uh, Humph and Helen, mm. uh, and out of which then I did my own shows uh, called Simply Shapiro with my own band. But I was, it was wonderful, but I never forsook the, the pop side. Yes. I, I've been very fortunate in that I've been able to sort of spread out and branch out into various different areas of, of show business. I'm very thankful. And um, have you found that your voice has changed? Because I, I seem to remember, you know, a, a deep voice for a, a tender age uh, at the first um, initial songs. Yeah. Uh, has it changed much? Well, only in terms of, uh, I guess it's matured. Um, I know what to do with it a bit more. <laughs> I think when I was a kid, I used to just open my mouth and this thing came out. And, you know, as a, as a kid at school, I used to be called Foghorn. <laughs> and, uh, but... You know, later on, I was able to... I, I learned how to lighten it up sometimes when it was necessary, but still use the, the deep end, as it were. I used to smoke a lot, you know, but... Um, not at the very beginning, but... I stopped smoking nearly... Well, it's 20 years ago now. And I discovered when that happened that I had this other end, the top end of the range... So I was rather pleased with that and able to use it. It's much yes. more flexible. Now let's come to the gospel outreach. And of mm. course, um, it, it is chronicled from what I was reading that in August 1987, you must have had some sort of cathartic experience. What was that experience and where did it start to hint to you that you wanted to go into a different direction? Well, it, it wasn't just an all-of-a-sudden thing particularly. Uh, it was very quick, mind. Um, I had always believed in God in some way or another. I mean, I, I, I had sort of uh, got interested in other areas like Eastern things and spiritualism and all that. I mean, I didn't dabble, but I was interested. And I used to read up on things like that. 
But uh, one day my musical director, who was a Christian, gave me a book to read, which is about, a, I'm Jewish, you see. Uh, it was about a Jewish man who became a believer in Jesus as a result of um, trying to stop his daughter from doing so. He found about Jesus, the Messiah himself. Uh, this pro- I read this book, and I, this prompted me to go and buy a Bible to read the prophecies in the Old Testament about the Messiah. I didn't know they existed, these prophecies, but I knew some of what I call the hit stories. You know, when I was at school, they used to teach uh, the Bible in school, uh, although I only knew about um, the Old Testament because there were so many Jewish kids in our school. We had separate assemblies and religious education classes, and I used to love the Bible stories, but I never knew about these messianic prophecies. Um, And so I I bought a Bible and just read up on these in, in the Old Testament, and frankly, they all seem to point to Jesus mm. um, in Isaiah, Isaiah 53, Psalm 110, uh, all in, in the prophets and in the Psalms. And I thought, as I'm reading this, I thought, well, how could this be? And why didn't anybody ever show me that? And I got to the end of these prophecies. Uh, I, I went and bought a Bible, by the way, as a result of reading this book, and there were these prophecies. And I opened the New Testament for the first time in my life and was absolutely gobsmacked to find that this wasn't some sort of alien foreign book because it was a bit scary for me because of, you know, um, anti-Semitism down through the ages by people calling themselves Christians. You know, we think they get it out of the New Testament. But Mm. I found that it was such a Jewish book. Mm. Uh, The genealogy of Jesus, um, the setting, uh, it was like a continuation for me of the Old Testament. Anyway, to cut a long story short, uh, I found Jesus in there, and he was fulfilling every single messianic prophecy that I had been reading uh, in the Old Testament. And by the time I got to the end of the fourth gospel, um, which was, and all these things were written by Jews, I, that's another thing I discovered, it's a Jewish book, uh, I just knew that Jesus was the Messiah that was promised to us. And um, I gave him my life, basically. I... I I'm trying to keep this short for you. <laughs> uh, and in August, indeed, in August in 1987, I, I made a commitment to him as my Savior and my Lord and my Messiah. And I've never looked back since then, and, and I've wanted to share it. It's, um, if, if you, you don't mind me saying this in the right way, I think it's a very brave thing to do in the modern environment that we have. Um, but but I think for those that maybe don't know that there's this massive, massive uh, sort of gospel and uh, religious musical circuit, I think the more that you look at how many people are involved, um, I, I think it surprises even those in the business when you, you see the size of these concerts and the people that ha- have made this sort of change, if you like, from just, a, you know, a, a maybe a, a, an ordinary career into something where you can dedicate what you feel and how you feel your life is progressing. Um, has it really surprised you how many people are also coming along to the concerts and the, uh, the outreaches and all these different ways that people can maybe express their feelings and beliefs through music? Well, I'd, I'd better just clarify, and, and you're right in what you say about there is a lot of stuff out there. What I do is not a concert. No. Um, I, I have to really make that clear. And it's not about a, a genre of music that people call gospel. Uh, it is about the actual gospel, which means good news. And um, what I actually do, if I can uh, just give you a brief description of, w- of what I do on these evenings, 
um, is, is I, I sing with my, my um, colleague uh, some songs and we get the people to join in with us. They are actually worship songs and um, for a little while. But then, and then I, sing, I do sing Walking Back to Happiness. Um, and then I really talk about how I came to this faith that I have. And I do intersperse that with some songs that I sing with tracks from my gospel albums, including that one, Enter Into His Gates. And then having done that, I do then give the gospel message, which is the good news about salvation in Jesus. And um, it is, uh, if you like, and, I, and I, uh, I don't, I'm trying to use the right language, but I preach the gospel, really, uh, in a nutshell. And then I challenge people, really, uh, to respond. And, um, and then I'm able to just talk to people afterwards. And um, people do come and talk to me for various reasons. People turn up at these things for various reasons, very often nostalgia, very often just uh, curiosity or a combination. And we get people from all ages. And I just get to talk to people afterwards. And sometimes I pray with people afterwards. Yeah. Sometimes I'm just signing autographs or whatever it is. That's the kind of evening it is. So I just wanted to, if it's okay with you, just clarify. No, I, I think it was very important, actually, because, quite frankly, you know, I did get the sense that that's, the, that's what it would be like. Yeah. Um, and I had the feeling that there would be others who probably might not have got that feeling. So I, I feel, and it really it comes so much better from you than from me, for example. Yeah. You know. Well, thank, thanks for that. And um, also to say that it, this, for me, is not actually... Um, as I'm sure you must have gathered, a career thing. No. This is this is very important to me. It's um, it's what I do now. I came out of the business just over five years ago, actually, in order to concentrate on these evenings. And um, so it's it's what I do, and I love it. I think there'll be a lot of people on this particular coast who will relate to what you're saying and respect your change and the reason why you've made the change. I think sometimes that you know there is this uh, thought that maybe it's all about just you know having uh, pop music and and unfortunately I think um, it's only at a certain point in your life that you realise the relevance of whatever religion you want to believe in. That there comes a point somewhere in your life that you decide you either want to or you don't want to, or you look for a particular, should we say? brand if you like of 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 the the way that you want to hear the message yeah. and and i think it's so important for people to, to to know where they stand in all this isn't it yeah it is i mean i have to say i wasn't looking <laughs> it just kind of happened to me uh, at the time a whole series of events that one would think were coincidences but um actually i guess they weren't i believe god was sort of organizing it choreographing it if you like uh, and i'm very glad and and being jewish that, that was the other thing it, I found that my faith in, in Jesus was not an un-Jewish thing. On the contrary, it, it became, I became more Jewish uh, since believing in Jesus, even though I'd heard all the false stuff down through the ages about how this is not a Jewish thing and so on and so forth. Um, you know, Jesus was a Jew. All, his, all those first ten thousands of Christians, tens of thousands of Christians were Jews. The apostles, the disciples were all Jews. The New Testament is Jewish. Uh, so I'm not saying now that this is an exclusively Jewish thing. It's for everybody. And that, that's, um, it's a very important thing that I wanted to just say for any of your listeners who happen to be Jewish and wondering, how can you be Jewish and believe in Jesus? Well, come along and you'll find out. Funnily enough, the first question I asked you was how you came out here. And the reason why I asked this yeah. is I keep meeting people who find themselves here with a rather strange set of coincidences. Oh, yeah. Now, you know, this is just another of those coincidences. Um, I 
probably think you might not know this, but uh, I wrote to you about two years ago. I wanted to find out how your career had progressed, and we'd kept the trail sort of fairly alive, and it was rather strange that it came back to me. Over a period of time, I've been speaking to numbers of people in the business. The reason why I wanted to... to contact these people was because I felt it was always retrospective. It was always, you know, somebody had died and, you know, somebody will play a few tracks for two or three days and then that particular artist has been forgotten. And I think it's so sad because really behind everybody there seems to be a very interesting story and how you either stay in the business and maybe marginally change the direction within the business or find something... Uh, like you've been telling us, which is a totally new direction and a reason for it being that way. Yeah. Well, like you say, behind every door, indeed, uh, there's, a, there's a story. And uh, I personally am very thankful that, you know, I'm still around uh, to tell it. And uh, I, as far as being in the business is concerned, you know, when I came out of the business at the end of 2002, I uh, was busier than ever. And I was doing jazz concerts, and I was doing pop concerts, and I was doing all kinds of other things. And I've done theater and all that. I'm not giving you my CV. I'm just saying that I'm so thankful that I was given the opportunity to, um, if you like, achieve a lot of ambitions and get it out of my system. So that now what I do is, is, just, is just there and clear for me, and I don't have any sort of niggles about going back. Yes. And I didn't do this, and I didn't do that. I've been very blessed in that. I mean, I've had my ups and downs, that's for sure. But um, I'm just, I'm, I'm just very thankful for it. I'm reading, by the way, that uh, you were apparently, uh, the word is gobsmacked, that's not the best of British words, but uh, by being chosen as the subject for This Is Your Life in oh, yeah. uh, May 1995. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, it was, I mean, people say you, it, you knew all the time. I, I didn't. I didn't know. Uh, my husband, John, he'd set all this up with the people from This Is Your Life, and... Uh, I was told that I was going to be going to do, um, be a guest on a show that was in a tribute to Humph, Humphrey Littleton. Yes. So uh, I went that particular day, and when we arrived at the Thames Television at Teddington, uh, in this great big limousine, and I didn't know why I was in a limousine, um, there was Humph and his band playing outside the entrance of the, the studios, playing Walking Back to Happiness. Happiness. And I thought, what's going on? And it was like it was really weird. I, I can tell you, I had no idea. And I got out of the car and I'm looking, and they finished playing, and I'm smiling. I said, that's great. What are you doing? And out of these sort of shadows, and there are all these other people there as well. But then out of behind these people stepped Michael Aspel mm-hmm. with the big red book. And I'll tell you, it, and he did all the bits, and I could not speak. I kept saying to John, my husband. You, you, you. In fact, I had to edit it because it was so long. Mm-hmm. It was like being undressed in front of the entire world. Uh, it was so such a, a traumatic experience. But, but having said that, once they sort of ushered me off and made nice to me for a while, and uh, while they got everything ready for the show, uh, I, I settled down. And once we were in the show and uh, all these people began appearing, it was actually lovely. Mm-hmm. 
but I have to say I had nightmares for a few <laughs> nights after that. But it was wonderful. I was very honoured by it. Uh, let me just also point to anybody that would like more of this particular lovely gospel music that you have been singing. Um, now, you, you've got at least four that I can see have been uh, released, but uh, they're also in a double CD now entitled The Gospel Collection. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. It's mm -hmm. a compilation of um, the four albums i mean not every track from every album except the most recent one which indeed is called enter into his gates i actually haven't done a new one for a while i'm, I'm hoping to very soon that's my own reasons for that but um yeah that's that's out and it's uh, it's got all, so, it's, uh, some, some smashing stuff including a duet with uh, cliff that mm -hmm. i did on one of the gospel albums we did in 95 and would, so, uh, I, would I be right in saying that I detected from the way that this came into my ears um, that you, you felt or you feel uplifted as you sing this particular song? Oh, yeah. I mean, I love it. I love singing this music. I, I love it because, um, I mean, some of the, some of the uh, melodies are very, very simple. They're not like the, the jazz things, you know, yes. that, I, that I sing. But they, it's the words, it's, there's, there's a... There's, um, if I can put it in a biblical way, an anointing on it. There's, there's a, just a special something, a touch upon this, these songs. And that's why I love singing them. And uh, it is very uplifting. And I, and I hope that people listening, uh, you know, get some of that. And, and who wrote that song? That one? Mm. <clears throat> the actual part of it that's called Enter Into His Gates, I don't know. It's a, sort of one of those anonymous things that somebody wrote somewhere. Um, perhaps somebody can find out for us. Uh, the other half of the that song, which um, uh, obviously it's a long track, you weren't able to play the whole thing, is in Hebrew called Hallelujah. It's from Psalm 150. Um, actually, the first one, Enter Into His Gate, is also from uh, Psalm, Psalm 100, um, was, is a traditional Hebrew song, the second part. Um, traditional sort of, uh, sort of praise, biblical Hebrew, so Jewish song that we adapted. It's absolutely lovely. I'm going to finish with it. And I'll remind everybody that you can see Helen Shapiro and the Gospel Outreach at the Casa de Cultura. This is in El Faz on May the 5th at 8pm. And I'll give the contact numbers out in a couple of minutes. Helen, if it's OK with you, what I normally do, I'll make a podcast and a tribute page, which I then will link up to your website. Oh, thank you. And obviously, it's lovely to hear that you're still doing so well. Uh, we've you. all enjoyed your songs over the years. Oh. And uh, I think many people will come along and obviously enjoy this, this evening with you. Well, thank you very, very much, Vince. It's been great talking to you. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye, Helen. Bye-bye. We have the numbers uh, for the contact details. Don't forget, it's May the 5th at 8 o'clock at the Alfaz del P. Casa de Cultura. Yeah.